and welcome to our experts opinion uh, podcast for uh, Altana CX. My name is Poiras and I'm the co-founder of Altana CX. Altana CX is a Gartner recognized voice of customer solution that is used across five countries in banks, insurers and large enterprises. Our objective is to simplify experience measurements and management with analytics and machine learning. In today's podcast, we have a special guest. His name is Aras Bilgen. Uh, Aras uh, is uh, a distinguished guest and an expert in the field of human-centric design. He has been working out uh, his career in multinational companies uh, such as Intel and BBVA Guarantee. Uh, he is also a scholar uh, and an academic. And most recently, uh, he's writing a book on insight generation and making insight generation a habit, uh, which is going to be published in Q3. Welcome, Oras. Great to have you here. Great to have you here as well, Poiras. Thanks for the invite. Thanks. Um, so today's topic, we're going to be talking about making insight generation a habit. Post-COVID-19, uh, in most of the organizations, we're seeing that the speed of digital transformation is doubling or tripling. That's a fact. Um, and across every organization, uh, product owners are uh, rambling around uh, in the room of accelerating their pursuit for better products and better journeys uh, across the entire portfolio that they have been managing. Yet, if you look at the process of developing products, we see that companies are going uh, and falling across different spectrums in the market. On one hand, we have companies uh, or enterprises who are embracing uh, the digital design principles. Uh, and uh, these companies are actually um, powering their uh, design uh, initiatives, starting with voice of customer um, you know, researches and iterating on these principles on a periodical basis, almost making itself uh, like a habit. And then on the other side, uh, we have companies who are uh, pretty much uh, non-existent. You know, uh, they don't really uh, have uh, large efforts in understanding uh, needs of uh, users uh, in a proper way. They have not built practices for building, uh, you know, better products iteratively. And uh, as a result, they have been involved in uh, very ad hoc or random uh, processes for creating products. Uh, that's, that's a different and a very wide spectrum of uh, companies. My first question to Aras is, Aras, why do you think this is the case? Why is there such a wide spectrum across companies when it comes to uh, research and insight generation? Uh, the, um, the spectrum that you mentioned is, is indeed quite wild. Um, part of the reason is because some companies feel that they know everything about their customers, they know everything about their market, and they make this very dangerous assumption that none of that is going to change by the time that they're sitting down and you know uh, working on their products, which is, as I said, very dangerous and an, uh, in, a, in a bad um, assumption. On the other side of the spectrum, the companies that you mentioned, um, which have um, highly mature practices for understanding users, understanding the market needs, and combining that with other resources of data to make 
actionable insights come to life almost in a real-time basis. Um, and obviously, the, uh, the difference between these companies have not um, occurred overnight. In our work, in working with organizations and making research a part of their um, uh, product generation or a service generation approach, we identified a couple of reasons why people avoid research. Some of that is very, um, very humble. Some teams think that they need to have PhDs to conduct research. Uh, some teams uh, claim that they are just engineers, they are just builders, and they don't know how to talk to users, and therefore they should not talk to users. Uh, some teams feel that they need really specific, highly specialized equipment like eye trackers, usability labs, focus group session rooms to be able to understand the users. And none of this is true. Everyone can do research with the right training. You don't need very expensive equipment at all to be able to get insights from your users. And uh, with the right mindset, you can just interact with any type of customer, any type of participant to learn from them, to add to your service or your product offering. On the other side, um, we see another class of excuses, and these are what I call the dangerous part, the, the ego-driven ones. They, are the, um, they come from the people who claim that they know everything. They, claim, they come from the people who claim that they're just innovating, therefore they don't have to ask the users or the, um, or the customers of the system. Um, and even worse, um, they sometimes think that um, the years that they spent doing whatever they're doing gives them the right to claim that they know everything about their customers. And unfortunately, these ego-driven approaches are the biggest hurdle against user research and in turn, um, understanding users and customers to generate insights. The underlying reason for both of these is the fear of being wrong. Any type of research that is done right will produce good insights. And most of the time, you will be wrong. Um, being able to be comfortable with this and walking into a session with a participant, knowing that you will be incredibly wrong at the end of this, takes some courage and takes uh, some getting used to. And as I mentioned, if you have a high ego, if you think that you know everything, this is a very hard game to play. So therefore, we see the biggest problem in not being able to do user research is this ego-driven uh, approach where people do not want to be wrong. They want to make sure that whatever they think is right and drive that to success instead of understanding your customers, understanding your users, and giving them something that they would need in a much easier way. Okay, uh, well, that's, that's really uh, an eye-opening perspective uh, on um, you know, research generation and uh, also the importance of uh, research uh, generation or insight generation. Building on that, uh, I wanted to ask you, okay, there are still people out there who, who claim that they're generating insight, but um, how do we know that that insight is indeed a good insight? You know, what are the challenges for getting good insights for um, you know, product professionals? Um, that's a very good question because when we get a good insight, that becomes something that we can um, kick off projects upon. We can uh, build improvements based on that insight. And you know, any any type of insight, when it's good, it's the spark that creates other improvements throughout everything that we're doing. And when we don't do research, um, it's it's basically a function of luck to stumble upon those insights. The companies, the organizations that get good insights consistently um, do two things 
um, in, a, uh, in a very different way. One is um, their, their, their choice of the mindset. Uh, when you look at the research mind, uh, landscape, you see three approaches. One is the confirmatory mindset. Um, and unfortunately, this is something that we see a lot in marketing research where teams go out um, and they try to talk to a large number of people to confirm and just to confirm what they think is right. This is not about learning. It is basically just saying, you know, I need some data to confirm that I am right and I need to sell this to my executive team. Therefore, I'm going to make a survey with 6,000 people. This is not useful because it basically is um, just trying to confirm what you know and it doesn't teach you something new. Um, the other um, mindset is the problem finder mindset. This is almost the opposite of the uh, confirmatory mindset where you go out to the field anticipating to find problems. All you're looking for is what isn't working. All you're looking for is what is what you can improve. Um, you know that there's something wrong and uh, you know when you go out there or when the research team that you're working with goes out there, you are in this hunt for finding the hurt points. And this is bad because what if you're doing something that is really nice? What if 90% of your offering is working really, really well? By focusing on that 10%, you're really limiting the bandwidth of information that you can get, which in turn limits the, um, uh, the bandwidth of insights that you can generate. What we, what we see uh, in the successful organizations is they, um, they assume this insight-making mindset. Um, they suspend their beliefs about what is right or wrong. They do not go out to the field anticipating to be right or wrong. Um, they welcome whatever they're seeing. And if there's a need, they pivot and they adjust their approach as they're doing the research. Because the goal is not to execute a plan. The goal is to learn from your participants, from your end users, from your customers. So that is the first difference. Good um, companies who know how to thrive on insights assume an insight-making mindset as opposed to a confirmatory or a, a problem-finding mindset. The second difference is that uh, the companies who know how to build on insights and generate insights in short time know how to combine different research perspectives. And uh, we can talk about three, um, three approaches here. One is user research. Um, user research is about learning an unmet need from uh, maybe a small number of um, users and seeing if that can be generalized to um, understand a wider need in the, in the population. Uh, but only user research is not sufficient to create good insights. Uh, market research helps user research in sizing the opportunities, finding out where the value is within the market, and how fast this particular organization can move to meet those challenges. On top of that, they combine a third approach, which is product analytics. Uh, product analytics is, is, is a blessing. Um, in the past, and it's not that far from here, I'd say maybe even 10, 15 years, uh, we did not have the luxury of collecting so much behavioral data almost in real time to understand what the users are doing. And when you do this in an ethical um, uh, framework where you're not following or spying on your users, um, combining the behavioral real-time data that you get from product analytics with the um, human-based, emotional-based, um, qualitative data from um, user research and frame that around a market opportunity from the uh, data that you get from your market research, um, the combination leads to insights that you can generate over and over and they become valuable to everyone in the organization. 
Wow, uh, I think that's a great framework because as far as I can see, there are not so many companies who can combine those three perspectives and uh, you know generate consistent good research as a result of it. So in terms of um, organizations or teams um, that are running research uh, in their um, respective departments uh, to get good insights in their organization, what are some of the successful ways for running the research? I would say that the most, well, I'll, I'll actually come back to one of your comments. It is true that not many companies can combine these approaches, but I would say that there are many companies who are able to combine these um, three approaches. And as I said, all it takes is humility and understanding that these three um, uh, different approaches, these three different disciplines come are you know complementary to each other for successful insight generation. Um, one of the things you know past that stage, um, I think it is very important to recognize that um, any research endeavor uh, consists of four simple steps. First is you start with your research question. You don't start with a method. You don't go out to the field and say, hey, like, you know, let's do a persona study. Or you don't go out and say, hmm, you know, we need to interview people. <laughs> you start with the uh, question that you want to answer. For example, what is the reason why people are not using our ATMs over, you know, um, the competitors? Or um, is there, what is the, um, what is the line experience um, in, in our restaurant? Um, you start with an open-ended question that uh, will allow you to get to insights. The second step is finding the uh, right method and the right users to work with this. As I said, starting with the method doesn't get you anywhere. Um, instead, you need to match your method and your participant selection to the question that you're trying to answer. The third step is to um, do, this, um, do this research and analysis together as a team. Uh, because the insights that you're getting from the field are probably going to impact many teams beyond your immediate team. And doing analysis together allows you to make sure that you understand multiple perspectives and bring multiple valuable viewpoints into the analysis for much richer, much longer lasting um, insights. And the fourth item is to um, go beyond just writing a report. Most research teams um, convene and after uh, the analysis phase they write a report so that it just dies in someone's email inbox. Um, instead of writing a report there are other ways to um, report findings and share um, insights across the organization and I find that the any organization small or large within any budget or within any scope um, any organization that follows these four steps is guaranteed to end up with good actionable insights. Those are uh, the four steps that uh, you shared for um, understanding and uh, running successful research. So uh, across these uh, different four steps or the four concrete steps uh, or areas, uh, let's say that an organization could start, I, I wanted to ask, what's your perspective on picking the right point uh, in terms of your starting point? Because um, as far as um, I, uh, I can see, it could be sometimes too much to try and do everything together. So in this case, what do you think could be a best practice, a starting point to be able to start making insight generation a habit for an organization? Um, I think that is very relevant to many teams who are interested in learning more from their customers or potential customers um, to create better services for them. 
and as I mentioned, that the first starting point is changing that mindset. You need to be able to uh, understand that you don't know everything about um, your market. You don't know everything about uh, what your customers are experiencing while they're using their pro your product or your service. This applies to you know B2C, B2B, or even in enterprise systems, um, or even like beyond enterprise systems, your employee experience. Um, being open um, at the beginning of your journey is, is something very important. The other part is following these four steps um, so that you actually have a cadence. Um, the one thing that really helps in building a habit is actually doing it much often. Um, it sounds like a chicken and egg problem, but um, remember, like, think about the time when you are starting to exercise. If yeah. you have this like, you know, uh, 14 station, um, uh, exercise routine with multiple reps a different you know um, uh, uh, different machines it might be a little hard to um, carry on uh, with this for four months but if you start small if you just say I'm going to just like hit these three stations and I'm going to do like a short cardio today that may get you to a much better place in a week in a month and then you can scale it up um, similarly with dieting like you can say oh like you know I'm going to go from like 4,000 calories a day to like 1,200 um, starting today that may work for some people but our organizations don't work that way so starting with these small steps um, helps a lot the other thing that I would like to mention is to be able to do um, research um, much more frequently you actually have to do it. You can't outsource. You can't outsource inside generation activities. And um, Jared Spool is a fantastic UX leader. Um, he has a lot of insights into how design impacts business and uh, how design can be used within um, other in other areas than just you know screen design. And he has this fantastic quote. He says you can't outsource outsourcing your research is like outsourcing your vacation it gets the job done uh it ticks the box but it actually doesn't get the job done so you you know being able to do more of this research in-house with the teams that you're working with is a step towards making it a habit so it sounds like a significantly important competency for um, organizations to have the insight generation muscles uh, in their in your organization and uh, as you're pointing out, uh, slowly start building those muscles from the uh, small three stations and then, you know, uh, with incremental improvements going towards uh, a larger capability or uh, muscle set. Um, all right, that's, uh, that's great uh, insights. And um, you know, it was a pleasure uh, talking to you this afternoon. Uh, dear listeners, uh, in this podcast series, our, our guest was... Mr. Aras Bilgan, a colleague and a distinguished expert uh, in the area of uh, human-centric design. As I mentioned, uh, his book uh, will be available in, uh, in Q3. Uh, Aras, at this point, would you like to mention some, maybe some um, you know, tips uh, or any um, uh, clues about your upcoming book? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, uh, um, C. Todd and uh, MC Connors are two of my co-authors. And we put this book together to make sure that anyone working in the product space understands what research is and can apply it on their own. Um, it includes more details about the four steps that I mentioned. Um, we actually have nine rules within the book 
that are very easy to follow. And uh, we believe that any team who has access to their customers, to the users that they're working with, they will be able to benefit um, from the tips and the rules that we share in this book. Um, as you mentioned, um, it is um, going to be out in uh, Q3 uh, from O'Reilly Media. Uh, the title is uh, Product Research Rules. And you will find the link to the description and uh, the pre-order and the newsletter in the description for this podcast. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, and uh, to our listeners, uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. So if, uh, please send us your feedback about the, the session and your suggestions for our next sessions in terms of guests and improvements to info at alternacx.com. And if you'd like to know about our uh, next podcast, please uh, do subscribe to our newsletter. And you can do that on uh, our website, alternacx.com. Thank you again, uh, Aras, and uh, we look forward to a meeting uh, with our listeners in our next episode. Thank you. Goodbye.